0: Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, trying to sneak in another one before the end of the year. Maybe another one. Will, maybe we'll even get another one in. But we're moving into Revelation chapter four. God is still on the throne. Boy, is this perfect for now? Revelation four one to six. God is still on the throne. The per. Boy, does this fit? Huh? It might not seem like it sometimes, but as 2020 morphs into 2021, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. As we go from what just happened to what might be coming, God is still on the throne. The world is in a panic. The world is in a panic. But we'll see today that Christians don't need to freak out with the rest of the world. In Revelation 4, we know, as we're moving into the rest of Revelation, we know that all hell is getting ready to break out, to break loose. Literally, all hell is getting ready to break loose, literally. But before it does, God reminds His people, I'm still on the throne. That's a reminder of this. Before something happens on earth, it has to fit with God's purpose and plan in heaven. It has to fit. There, the real Supreme Court doesn't have nine people that are appointed by human beings. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting in heaven, and that's the true Supreme Court. We'll, we'll need this perspective as we go through the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, depending on if we do, I know, I know if you're pre-trib, you think you're not going to, and, and if you're post-trib, you think you will. Uh, uh, someone said to me the other day. I mo- it was my dad actually. He said, "I think whatever people believe, that's what will happen. <laughs> so if you're pre-trip, you're gonna miss it. Mid-trip, you go through half. Post-trip, go you go through the whole thing." Uh, I said, Dad, I think God makes the decision on us. Well, I vote for pre-trip, but but we we is, all three are possible. So be pray prepare pray for pre, prepare for post, and we'll see what God does, right? And uh, but." we are going to need this perspective as we get up too close to the tribulation. Does that make everybody happy? Or when we go through the tribulation or as we go through life's tribulations, the small t tribulations that we go through all the time, we need this perspective that God is still on the throne. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace. We pray for your Spirit's power to come upon your word and to speak to us and to reach us and to impact us, to convict us, to change and transform. Form us, we pray for that in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Okay, so uh, let's read the passage first of all, Revelation four one through six. After this, I, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice, and the voice I had fr- first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, "Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this." So here's a voice, "Come on." Not down, game show, not come on down, but come on up. Here's the voice, come on up. And then he says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And so we see a throne here, a throne. The throne is mentioned 45 times in the book of Revelation. 45 times. Only 15 times in the rest of the New Testament. So that should tell us something. Why? Why is the throne mentioned so many times? Because we're going to see that we're going to be going through some... The, the world is going to be going... The church is going to be... The Christians, Jews are going to be going through a very hot time. Whether w- whether it's leading up to the tribulation or going through the tribulation. Hot time no matter what. And God... There's making a, a, a point with a throne that God is still on his throne. That God is still in control. Even when it looks like evil is winning. When it looks like evil is winning, it's not. God says, I'm still on the throne. In fact, the psalmist and David in Psalm 11, listen to what he says way back, thousands of years ago. He says, In the Lord I take refuge. Verse 1, In the Lord I take refuge. How can, how then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright at heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Boy, can we relate to that in the USA Today, right? Doesn't it feel like the foundations are being destroyed? They're crumbling? Listen, it's going to get even worse. But verse 4 says, and this is what he comes to, the Lord is in his heavenly temple. I'm sorry, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes the sons of men. His eyes examine them. It says, even when it looks like everything 's falling apart, when the country's crumbling, when when morals and, and the law and the society is falling apart, turning evil, even when that happens, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord is on his heavenly throne, He observes the sons of men, his eyes examine them, God is still on his throne. The foundations are crumbling in the USA today i 'm guessing it 's going to get worse if we look at the Bible it 's going to get worse, but our faith our lives are not should not be shaken by this because we know that God is on the throne. Psalm 11, verse 4, with, with what's going on with the coronavirus. Look what's going on with the, with the coronavirus <clears throat> and the fear and the experts now are telling us even if you get the vaccine, life will never go back to normal. You're still going to have to wear a mask and social distance and like... Stop! You know, why are we getting this? Why, why, should any of us get it then? And, but they're saying this is the new normal. This is how you're gonna live from now on. And now they're telling us it could mutate. Oh, it is mutating. And the UK has been already closed off. It's mutating. It's gonna, it, listen, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. The economy, many people are losing so much. Many people, some people are losing everything. I have a prediction for you. You can take this to the bank. Take this to the bank. We will all lose everything we have someday. <laughs> there, there's I've never seen a a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It's not going to happen. We will all lose everything someday. But God promises us while we're here, to, He promises us treasures in heaven. First of all, if we follow Him, <clears throat> but He promises while we're here, He promises to meet our needs, not our desires. That's what everybody's freaking out. About. Everybody I know freaking out are really freaking out about their desires. There are 401ks that are turned to two, 301 and 201 and 101, uh, and 0001. And, and they're freaking out about desires, but God's meeting our needs. We, we, God will meet our needs. He, not our desires, our needs. God is still on the throne. We see the division that is freaking everybody out. The political, uh, political division, which is the least of our problems. We have the racial hatred being stoked. You know, by the media, and the divided states of America are now becoming a reality. But God is still on the throne. So many people I talked to, Christians, are are f- f- focused and freaked out on the election. And and I will and I I will. So many are freaked out about the election. And did what? Well, how could this have happened? And what's going to happen to us? I will tell you the same thing I said four years ago. Four years ago, the same thing I said. I said no matter who wins the presidency. No matter who the president is, God is still on the throne. No matter who wins the Senate, we've got a special election coming up, no matter who wins the Senate, God is still sitting on his throne, still in control. In my prayer all along, four years ago, and my prayer all along the, for this last election, I did not ask God to help one person win. I did not do it. Although I was hoping, uh, I, I have a preference, obviously, as a Christian, but my prayer all along has been, God, your purpose, your glory, God, May your purpose be done. May your glory be fulfilled through this. May, may your will be done. Your kingdom come. Remember that prayer? Your will be done. Your kingdom come. That's what I've been praying. And prayer is vital in this whole process. Prayer is vital. But make sure that we pray according to God's word, not our desire. What we desire may be the last worst thing that could happen because God may be getting ready to, to do something Amazing. We, God may be getting ready to heal our nation, or He may be preparing us to go through a refining time as a church. Many times it's the times of persecution, it's the times of adversity that God refines and, and revives His church. And so what we may be desiring may be the opposite of what God wants for us. What we really want, no matter uh, our prayer is God Whatever you want. What will bring revival? What will refine us? What will refine your church? That's my prayer. What will revive us? What will refine us? What will prepare us for the second coming of Jesus Christ? That's our prayer. That has to be our prayer. And it may coincide with what we desire or it may not. Either way, we're praying for God's purpose and God's glory. God is still on His throne. And now John describes Him for us. He describes God for us. Look at verse 3. We're coming to Revelation 4, verse 3. Uh, let's see. Verse 3, And the one who sat there, talking about the throne, and the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and a rainbow resembling resembling an emerald say that ten times fast. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne encircled the throne. Uh, he 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 starts trying to describe who's on that throne. He doesn't describe what he looks like in human terms. It's just an impression. It's like, because John is clearly overwhelmed here. He's not going to try to describe what he looks like. He just gives an impression. And he said he he was an appearance of jasper. Now, in the New Testament times, it, it was a different jasper than what we have today. The closest that we have today would be a diamond. And the, the idea of the biblical times jasper was, it was a translucent crystal. When light shone through it, it, was blinding. And so he said, look at God on the throne, blinding. It was blinding. Uh, he also said, uses the word carnelian to describe the appearance of God on the throne. Uh, that is a fiery red color, um, a, a fiery red with a blood red tint. A blood red tint. So you have this blinding blood, blood red tinted picture of God. And what does that convey? The blood red anger. Because we know the wrath of God is getting ready to come out. We're seeing the mood. God is like this huge mood ring. Right you know, Right now, it, the, the tint is red and it's getting ready to pour out his wrath on the earth as we will see in the rest of the book of Revelation. Often I hear people say, when talking about God, they'll say, oh, I can't wait to get... Get up and face God. I got a lot to say to him. I hear people say, I've got a lot to say to him. He's got a lot of explaining to do for me what's happened in my life. And I, and I just laugh, I laugh in their face sometimes. I say, listen, pal. If you're not a Christian, you won't say a thing when you get before God you're not going to say a thing God will do all the talking, and you're not going to like what He says now I say it a little nicer than that, but I say it <laughs> if you if you know me, you know I say it uh I say you won't like what you hear for the rest of us who are christians we're not going to say a thing either we're just going to be blown away Wow that's all it's going to be blown away I love the 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 um the account in, in the book of Exodus when Moses and the elders go and, and, and sit down with God. In Exodus 24, verse 8, Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you <coughs> in, a, <coughs> in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise His hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. Uh, what did He look like? Look how they describe. Him. What did He look like? It was it, under His feet. Under His feet, it was this. Amazing blue color. Amazing blue color like the sky. Well, what did he look like, Dad? Just under his toenails, wherever his toes touched, it was this amazing color of the sky. It was crazy. They couldn't tell you what he looked like. They just knew what the ground under his feet looked like. It. it and why didn't God kill them? Because they were in God's presence? You know, why didn't God kill them? Why? Because Moses had sprinkled the blood of the covenant upon them. And that's the same for us why we now have access to God. We can now come before God's throne as we'll see in a little bit. Our access is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has been sprinkled on us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. So we see the the picture of God, and then it says also around the throne was this emerald rainbow. It was this greenish rainbow all around the throne. You think of green, you think of tornadoes. It's going green, going green, and, and that's what we're seeing is going to happen to the earth now. They're getting you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. They're going the world, the earth, the rebellious earth is going to reap the whirlwind. And remember the rainbow, what it was? It was a sign that God would not destroy the earth again with water but we know very clearly second peter god is going to destroy the earth with fire with fire this time all right so then verse 4 back back to revelation chapter 4 verse 4 we came to the next, we come to the next verse. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Who are these 24, the 24 people on the 24 thrones? Who are they? Well, we know clearly who t- Twelve of them are, we've been told, in Matthew 19, verse 28, Jesus said to them, talking to his apostles, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So we know twelve of those tribes are occupied by the twelve apostles. The other twelve, the patriarchs. Okay, the patriarchs. That's who's on the twenty, on the, the, the twenty-four, Thrones. And then verse five, we come to verse five, gets very interesting here. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God—we already talked about that. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Seven is the idea of perfection and completeness, and it's used. The seven spirits is used to represent to talk about the Holy Spirit, one spirit, but the seven spirits go completeness. We've talked about that already. But the thunder and lightning—thunder and lightning—is a warning that a storm is coming, and and that's exactly. Exactly what we see is a warning of the coming judgment. This is setting up the coming judgment that we keep referring to in the rest of Revelation. I love storms. I love lightning. I love thunder. I love going out and watching it. I just love it. If if, if you ever hear that I've been hit by lightning and killed and I'm gone, don't be sad. I died happy. I died happy. I Even as a kid, I'd go out and all the other kids, everybody's hiding inside, you know, nervous. I always loved lightning and thunder. I just, I just... It's, it just gives us a glimpse of God's glory and His power, because, and it does. That's exactly what we're seeing on earth is what is happening around God's throne all the time until we get the rest of the revelation. That's why I just find it so awe-inspiring. It's a picture of what it's like around the throne of God. And God has given us thunder and lightning as a picture of that. I just love, I love lightning and thunder. Uh, verse six, I know you're probably thinking I'm crazy, but I do, I love it. It, it, just, it just gives it that awe of God experience. Verse six, also, Before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And we're going to stop there and pick it up the rest of the next time. But the sea of glass, a sea of glass before the throne. Everything in God's heavenly temple is has a parallel with the earthly tabernacle and temple. The reason God gave such specific instructions for the tabernacle and the temple is because they were going to be replicas of what is already in heaven it's a picture of what is in heaven it's given us a symbolic picture of what's already there in fact in hebrews in hebrews 8 in hebrews 8 5 listen to what it says they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven this is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Because it's a picture of what is in heaven. We got a little glimpse, this little model, you know, te- you know, the temple, even what, what, what it was when it, before it was destroyed, first, second time, gonna be built the third time, what it was, was still just a small model of what this massive temple in heaven, because God's sitting in that temple, right? In Moses' tabernacle, there was a, between the tent of meeting and the altar, there was a bronze water basin. And the priests had to wash to purify in that basin or they would die when they did the, the, the carry out the instructions in the temple. In Solomon's temple, there was also, where the ark was placed, in Solomon's temple, the ark was placed there. He built a huge bronze water basin that was 30 feet by 30 foot squared and 15 feet deep and this was called the sea. The sea. And the priest had to wash before coming before the altar to offer the sacrifice. Once again, it's all a replica of what is in heaven, the sea of glass. Once a year on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest would wash in that sea and then he would take the blood of the sacrifice into the holy of holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. On the mercy seat. On top of the ark, of the covenant, there was a mercy seat where God sat and where they, the high priest would meet with God. And that was the, the mercy seat, the seat of atonement, at one mint. That's where we get the word atonement, three English words. They couldn't come up, you know, I think it was Tyndale, when he was translating into the English, he couldn't come up with the, the, the one English word, so he made three. one mint. And that's how he created the word at atonement. And that's what happens when we, when the blood is sprinkled on us and we can come to with God, before God again. We are now at one again. Sin no longer has cut us off. Jesus died on the cross. And now, now we can, today you will be with me in paradise. Before that, nobody, everybody was kept in Abraham's bosom. They couldn't go into God's presence in heaven because sin was not atoned for yet. But after Jesus died for us on the cross, he took went down to Abraham's bosom and took them up into heaven because now they could be in God's presence because the atonement was carried out. Sin was paid for at one minute. Alright, Hebrews 9. Go ahead a little bit. Hebrews 9, verse 11, where it says, When Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is... To say, not a part of this creation. He did, now he's talking about going into heaven, into God's presence, His Father's presence. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once for all. Once for all, by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus did this once for all. Yom Kippur, they still celebrate, there's no need. There's no need for you own to It's been completed. Jesus, the great high priest, did it once for all. Same thing today. Many Christians celebrate the Mass and, and they recreate the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's not necessary. It's not reality because Jesus already did it once for all. We don't recreate it. We just put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. Oh that's why when we take communion now we're just remembering what he did we're not recreating it we're remembering it do this in remembrance of me it cannot be repeated verse 22, we go to verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ who has died for us once for all, when we, He sprinkled the blood once for all. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our hearts are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice. We are washed by the blood. And now we can come into God's very presence. Because now we have a relationship with God as our heavenly father. It's, this is crazy. It's crazy. We take it for granted now, but before this happened, this was on Thinkable. It was mind-boggling. It was shocking. Hebrews 4, and Hebrews 4 talks about what has happened now because if we put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, His death for us, His resurrection for us, His, his being the high priest, His sprinkling the, the mercy seat and, and, and making us at one with God, if we put our faith in Jesus... Listen to what it says here. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For, let us hold firmly to the faith We profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now here we go. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can now come before the throne of grace, God sitting on his throne, and we can ask for mercy, which is the forgiveness of anything we've done or do, and we can ask for grace to help us not to do it again. We can ask for that mercy and grace. This is shocking. This is mind-boggling. We can now come right to the throne of God because sitting on that throne is our Heavenly Father through our high priest Jesus Christ who has shed his own blood, not a one lamb. He's the culmination, the, the the final culmination of that that those sacrifices. He sprinkles his own blood on that throne and is made away. Do you have that relationship with God as your father? You can have that right now. Right now, you can have a relationship with God. You can be at one with God right now through the blood of Jesus Christ by putting your faith in what Jesus did on that cross for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can, no matter what you have done in your life, no, no matter what shame you carry, no matter what filth, no matter what sin, it can be forgiven. You can be washed clean. You can have a brand new start. You can leave it All behind and have be at one with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can have life right now. Life starts, life, eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven someday. It starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you get eternal life. It's a life that starts in that very blink of an eye and then it goes on through all of eternity, forever and ever with Jesus in heaven someday. You You simply have to ask God to live on the throne of your heart to put your faith in Jesus and give your life to God. Put Him on the throne of your heart. Have you done that? We're going to pray in just a moment. You can do that anytime, right now, when I pray, anytime. You can do it. And as Christians, I want to ask you, are you coming to the throne daily? Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are we coming to the, the God's throne daily, the g- throne of grace, realizing that privilege, experiencing the peace at the throne of grace? We walk through a sea of forgiveness to get to God's throne, the sea of forgiveness to get to God's mercy and grace. And we need that. We don't have we don't have to clean ourselves up first. We got to come on our knees to that throne of grace and ask God to clean us up. We don't have to get things right first. Get to the throne. Get to the throne. Maybe you feel like your life is out of whack right now. Probably because you have God is not on the throne of your heart. You know, we get out of whack. We need to put God back on the throne. We need to surrender whatever in our life that we have been resisting or whatever in our life that we've been convicted And we've been, we haven't been listening. We've been grieving the Holy Spirit. We need to get put God back on the throne. Maybe we're out of whack because we need a heavenly perspective. We're focused on everything here on this earth and what's happening in our life and what's happening in our country instead of focusing on who is on the throne. God is in control. God has a purpose. The key is to look for God and what he's doing and, and 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 figure that out. Do do you realize that God is still on his cosmic throne? Yes, it's going to get crazy. Yes, the USA is not going to survive. I'm going to tell you that. I don't know when. We have a window of grace right now. We don't know, but we know in the book of Revelation the European Union and the Antichrist is running the show. We know that. Maybe we're absorbed in the European Union, we don't know, but we're not the lone superpower anymore. No matter if whatever we whatever we're like, wherever we are, we are now under, underneath a whole different rule. We're not independent in charge and running the world, running, or, you know, running the world. The USA is going to, something's going to happen. Something's gonna happen. Uh, you, you think you're upset about the elections and, you know, the the election, what just happened? Are you upset? Wait until the Antichrist is elected. He's going to be running the earth and the European Union, the revived Roman Empire. He's going to be running that. And the USA is going to be under his thumb. The whole world is going to be under his thumb. You think you're upset about the election? Wait till he's running the show. Jesus has told us ahead of time. He's telling all, wait till we see, he's telling all this ahead of time. This is part of the Father's Plan. God is getting ready to judge the world. He allows this to happen because He's getting ready to judge the world. He's getting ready to refine His people. And it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> they will be hell to pay. That's what it will be. But it's going to be hard. God is going to judge. He's going to refine the church. Why? Because He's preparing us for the second coming. That's why we got to go through so much. He's preparing us for the second coming. He's refining His church. And Jesus has told us all this ahead of time. It's part of His plan. He's telling us all this ahead of time. It reminds me... (coughs) Well... In John sixteen thirty three, in John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, tells his disciples, he's just getting ready to be crucified. He's just getting ready to die. And things, the disciples' world is getting ready to crumble. It's going to fall apart. The crucifixion, which is going to look like total defeat to them, total defeat. But he says something to them that he's saying to us today. Jesus said, "I've told you all these things. I, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace." Jesus says to the disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us the same thing. I'm telling you all this in Revelation so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Just wait till we get to the rest of Revelation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The, in the end times, the Christians, we are going to face intense times, as we go to the time of Revelation, now is our time, just as the apostles, now is our time to take up our cross. Most of the world is already doing it. The USA is all whiny because we've got a little bit of pressure. Most of the world is already under intense persecution. Look what's happening in the Muslim countries. Look what's happening in the communist China. Look what's happening in, in uh, Africa with, with, with the, 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 the Muslim radicals attacking. Look what's happening in the Middle East. It's happening everywhere. But it's now our time to take up our cross but this is the beginning of victory. It looks like defeat, just like the crucifixion, the disciples but it was the beginning of their victory the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of our victory, the return of Jesus Christ God is on the throne. Let's pray Do you have that peace today? that God is on the throne. Maybe as Christians, we need to make sure we're keeping Him on the throne. <laughs> we're not hijacking the airplane. We're, we're putting Him back into control. Give it, surrendering our lives daily to Him, to His purpose, for His glory. Our prayers are like, God, do this, do that. This is what I want. Give me, give me, give me. You know, you know, Santa Claus list. No, it's God. What do you want? What is your will? What is your purpose? What will bring you glory? What will refine your church? What will revive your people? That's our prayer. Putting God back on the throne, surrendering to Him, to His will. And while we're praying about that, I want to talk to those who have maybe never put their faith in Jesus. You need to come to the throne and put Jesus on the throne of your heart to give our, our heart, our life, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to put Him on that throne of our heart. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? And now I'm talking about the head. The word in in the Greek means to put your total trust in, to cling to, to depend on. It's the faith of the heart. Have you ever taken that step? You can do that now. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. Jesus, I put you on the throne of my heart. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you, Jesus. I repent of the sin. I turn away from the garbage. I leave the world behind. I'm going to battle the flesh. I put my faith and give my life to you, Jesus. Father, I pray that every one of us would experience daily Jesus on the throne of our heart. And I pray that we would all come before you daily to the throne of grace and receive your mercy and grace daily for whatever tribulations we're going through in this life and preparing us for a much bigger tribulation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, boy, is that perfect, this passage perfect as we go into the new year and who knows what's coming, but is it perfect after what we just went through and what we could be facing? Is it perfect? God is on the throne. Next time we're going to look at worshipping at the throne of God. Next time. God bless.